This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's Jan and you're listening to the Langpreneur podcast. Very good to see that you're here again with us because I have a very special interview for you today. Um, today's guest is Elena, Elena Motonono from elenamotonono.com. Now you might think, okay, so what does she do? Well, Elena helps teachers to work smarter, less and with more satisfaction and to get paid well for their work. So if you are a language teacher and you have the feeling that you know, there's only so many hours in one day and you know maybe you have students who can really afford to pay you a higher rate if you feel that you're stuck if you want to work less and get paid more then this episode is for you because elena well that's exactly what she does she helps teachers doing exactly that um if you're not a teacher then this episode might actually still be very interesting for you because we are yes we are talking about teaching and how to scale online teaching businesses but we have also um we're also going to share a few marketing lessons with you here that you can really apply for any kind of online business or maybe even any kind of business so yes this episode is for you keep listening because we are going to get started right now hello elena welcome to the langpreneur podcast Tell us a little bit about yourself. What is it exactly what you do? And um, yeah, how did you get involved with languages? Mm. Yeah, and well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. This was um, an exciting thing for me to be sharing my story and to talk a little bit about what I do. I started out teaching online really as an experiment, as many uh, language teachers would do that back mm -hmm. in 2008. Mm -hmm. and at the time I was using Skype and really the only reason I was doing that is because I really wanted to help a friend who was in another town yeah. and uh, two years later it happened that I moved to the U.S. and after I got married and um, I wasn't able to land a job which was probably good in the long run <laughs> but at the time it was kind of devastating so um, but I had already been doing something online. I had a couple of people that wanted to move from private tutoring to online. And um, so I just moved them. And after I moved to the US, I continued working with them that way. Mm -hmm. So and that was, um, I started full time in 2010, really. And mm -hmm. um, for four years, I was doing that within, I think, the first six months, I got really busy. So I was, people were referring me and I had my own little blog and I was trying to figure out how social media worked. Um, so I was, it was growing pretty quickly, mainly through word of mouth. This is, I think, what most um, online teachers use when they just get started. Yeah. And, um, and so I got really busy, but then it was always like in these, waves i would get really really busy and then it wouldn't be busy over december in january it would just be dead <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and like busy again and then 
the summer is a little slower, although my second year was actually, I didn't even feel it was the summer. I actually wanted people to go on vacations, but they wanted to work. But I mainly, my main market at the time was Russian speaking market because that's where I came from, Ukraine. I knew exactly uh, what people needed and what people lacked in that area. And I was able to give them, which was speaking, you know, they were all like textbook savvy, but they couldn't speak. So I was teaching them how to do it. Um, But uh, four years into it, uh, that, that really was, um, uh, was collapsed. And, um, and so I had to find different ways of doing that. Yeah. So you were mainly helping Ukrainians or Russian speakers with their English? Yes, yes. And particularly with the emphasis on speaking, although as many teachers would probably understand me, um, you just take any job you have. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Although at the time I decided that I probably don't want to work with teenagers. Um, of course, all the mothers wanted me to work with their kids, but um, yeah. there were just very few that I was working mm-hmm. with. But um, yeah, so that was like the first part of my career. And the second part of the career was quite different, was trying to figure out how do I move myself from the market that sort of collapsed due to political reasons, economical yeah. reasons. And then I had to figure out how to do that as well. Mm-hmm. So, how did you do that? How did you? <laughs> what, what what was what, yeah? What did you do? Right, next? right. So, uh, so 2014 was really it was it was like a conversion of different things for me. I had I had had my first child and I was pregnant with my second child, and um, I knew that really in order for me to grow the business, mm-hmm. I would I would have to like send my kids somewhere i cannot do five hours of one-to-one teaching with my kids around it was yeah. just impossible and we don't have family around um mm-hmm. so that was the first challenge like how can i continue doing the same thing and and uh and not get m- my kids or like not ignore my kids pretty much mm-hmm. and the second thing was of course like, what can I offer to people outside of the of Russia, Ukraine? Because I used to think that, oh, because I speak Russian, you know, these mm. people really like me and this is my tribe. You know, who would want to hire me outside of uh, Ukraine and Russia? And so one of the things that I did at the time when I was like completely drawing blank, because by then I had had several teachers already. So mm-hmm. I had hired a number of teachers, which I thought was going to give me sort of a sense of growth of my business, which was actually the opposite. I felt like I was busy even more Mm -hmm. than um, I thought I would be. So um, I uh, decided that if I wanted to go on, I would have to focus. Like I can't teach everybody everything. Mm -hmm. So I had to focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I had to, and for me at the time it was accent training. Um, mm-hmm. Because I had done some of that when I worked at college prior to my online career. Um, mm-hmm. I worked several years at college and that job um, sort of went down. <laughs> so yeah. um, so I was kind of drawn to that. And I felt all of a sudden that, yes, while I'm not a native speaker training people accent, mm-hmm. um, I am 
this is actually my strength. For the first time, I saw that, oh, it's my strength. And people are attracted to the fact that, oh, she's a non-native speaker, but she learned to speak like that. And maybe Mm -hmm. I can trust her. So... Mm. So that was my point. This, the other thing, because I still couldn't figure out the one, the one thing, is I really wanted to help teachers teach online. Because at the time, I had so much experience. I had like mm-hmm. gone from you know, the, the traditional classroom setting to online, part-time, full-time, all these, you know, trying to fool around with courses, not being able to create and sell courses, and why not, and then completely everything falling apart so Mm -hmm. I I felt like I had something to offer to teachers as well so I started a blog where one week I would write um, to teachers about online teaching and the other week I would do accent training Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah teachers my interactions with teachers went on were on LinkedIn most of the time so people would ask questions and that's how I actually started the blog because I would answer questions that were like these long extensive um, answers and I thought maybe I should have a blog and so that's how it started like the new I would say online business 2.0 yeah so instead of working as a teacher you started advising other other teachers on how to get more clients or how to charge more or how to work smarter work less and at the same time provide more value to the world so talk a little bit about your like the first clients that you had and um, what was it what they were looking for and how did you help so what i have right now is helping language teachers to work smarter is something that actually evolved from that blog so i didn't Mm -hmm. and that's probably one of the lessons that i learned is when you start out an online business also working with clients these days when you start an online business you do not have a clear picture no matter how much you want it you Mm -hmm. do not have it it's kind of like you have a direction that you really feel you want to go down that path and here, a little side note that a lot of teachers start in the direction that they feel that is going to bring money. And that's probably not the best direction to mm-hmm. go with because in the end, it's just going to be really frustrating. And from the marketing standpoint, if you are talking about something you're not passionate about, you can't convince people to buy from you. Yeah. So, so any, anyhow, I was um, really drawn into that direction but I wasn't quite sure like how I was different from other teacher trainers because at, at the time there were some already mm-hmm. um, and it took several years really to figure that out and working mm-hmm. with coaches and and getting mentoring and asking myself questions getting frustrated going into different directions and thinking mm-hmm. maybe I should do something that will bring me more money that didn't work um, so yeah so the teachers that came to me initially they all wanted to know how do you get more clients that's like the main the main thing like where because if you go on a bigger platform like i talk you know verbling Mm -hmm. it was pretty straightforward i mean Mm -hmm. although there are lots of hacks on how to do it better but generally you you get um into that area and you already have clients you know, students there that yeah. might be looking for you. Yeah. But when you're, and that was the frustration is like, oh, I'm on 
italki, for instance, and I am making money and I have all these clients, I'm busy, but I'm trying to promote my website and nobody's coming through the website or people are comparing my rates and mm -hmm. or like, how can I? And then people mm -hmm. realize, be, began to realize that in order to really stand out, you have to have your niche. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like initially what I was helping them with. So mm -hmm. it's like a direction where to go. You can't really do everything. So at the time, that was the big deal. Like, how do I really narrow things down? Today, it's a given. Like, people understand this, that yeah. they can't be doing everything. Yeah. But back when I just began giving my sessions and working with teachers in 2015, they were saying, well, but what if somebody asked me that they want to do this? Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, like you kind of helped everyone or at least all Russian speakers with their English. Later on, you started specializing more on accent training. Can you give, a, can you give a f us a few examples of students that found their niches? Well, really, there are, um, there are so many the clients I've worked with. And again, the main um, struggle right now, because it's not a, an issue everybody like i said understands that you need a niche mm -hmm. but the issue is people want like can you just tell me what sells <laughs> and yeah. that yeah. and that is not a good way to start it mm -hmm. because like i said if you are only focusing on this is going to bring me money yeah. in the end you're not going to be able to sell what mm -hmm. sells is authenticity and confidence and your faith in the mm -hmm. offers that you're putting out, mm -hmm. your desire to help the people that, yes. um, that are there and that you cannot fake it. Yeah. So when sometimes people come in, particularly I, I get really eerie, is like the so-called business English or the so-called, mm -hmm. you know, test prep. So when mm -hmm. a teacher comes in a session, they say, oh, I just love helping people with their exam prep. And, yeah. and then we dig deeper and it turns out that they really don't love doing that, but mm -hmm. somebody told them that it's going to make money or it's yeah. in demand. And, and that's why they're stuck because mm -hmm. they don't know how to develop this, how mm -hmm. to, not to mention that there are amazing teachers who enjoy uh, doing exam preparation, mm -hmm. but um, even for them, just saying, you know, I can prep you for any exam. That's too wide. So yeah. these days, niching, number one, is you have to be really connected with yourself in order mm -hmm. to understand what is it that you want to offer to the world and what do you want to represent. Mm -hmm. Connecting to yourself. What is it mm -hmm. that you like? In one of my sessions, a teacher said, I don't know what I like, which is kind of scary to think about. Mm -hmm. But because the teachers have the history of, helping everybody doing everything, yeah. they are not connected with themselves. Mm -hmm. They are only connected with the people that come to them. Yeah. They are, oh, you know, you, you want this. I, I've got this offer. I can help you with this. Mm. And uh, so that's the first thing. And the second thing with niching is that it has to be really narrow and specific. And over time, it has to evolve into something even more narrow. So niche is not something cut and dry. What I understood as a niche or as my direction back in 2014 is completely different from what it sounds like right now. And so sometimes people look at 
my website and they have this idea. Well, like, wow, how did you come up with this amazing idea? I said, well, yes, it took me six years mm -hmm. um, to, to get to the clarity that I have right now. And the clarity is to help teachers work smarter, work less and work with more satisfaction and enjoy what they're doing and actually be paid um, a good amount for mm -hmm. what what they know and what yeah. they share. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of teachers who are listening to this podcast now and I'm sure that many of them, they either they want to make more money or they want to have more free time. So tip number one here is really to choose a niche. Um, so an example could be accent training for Russian speakers who want to learn English or accent training for actors or Spanish for British people who want to travel in Latin America. Like, can you give a few examples just for the listeners to get a few ideas of what's possible? Some of the, some of them, again, it starts with what exactly you enjoy and who you're helping. Mm -hmm. um, there are some, some things uh, that I would probably, um, would probably try to, uh, for people to avoid is to um, associate themselves with a particular geography or geographical mm -hmm. strata. Because once you do that, you are creating walls for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, saying, for example, accent training for Russian speakers is, um, is not really... Um, well, for one thing, economically, if something were to happen to these, you know, the, the Russian market, if that's where you are sourcing, and that's what happened to mm. me. So yeah. this is probably not the best idea to say, oh, well, but I come from Russia and that's why I can only serve Russians. But that's a limitation. It's a mindset thing because mm. we serve people that need our services and the, the services and the, the ideas for niching, they come from um the frustrations that we see our clients have it's mm -hmm. not that the person is a russian speaker and they have these issues because for instance um you see this frustration if i look back with my accent training business i saw the frustration that people would learn uh using textbooks and they would learn how to pronounce sounds but they couldn't put them together and their mm -hmm. their speech still sounded kind of awkward so here's the niche, accent training for people who want to sound more um, authentic, particularly focusing not on the sounds, but mm -hmm. on what's between the words and how that happens. Yeah. Uh, let's say if it's a business English, don't ever say like, oh, I teach business English. Let's say you're helping someone with um, developing their communication skills um, because most of the time people that need business English they already have enough English and yet yeah. if you look yeah. at them they yeah. go back to their textbooks yeah. and they keep rehashing this grammar exercises instead yeah. of you know working on communication or negotiation yeah. skills or yeah. other things so they already have that so it's not business English and Shanti uh, English with a twist she has just that she helps um, senior, for example, business professionals with their communication skills. Um, yeah. And um, then there are other people like Trisha from Vagabond English that helps people ignite their creativity through writing and journaling. Now, mm -hmm. that's, that's a niche, but we didn't start when I started working with Trisha. We didn't start out with, okay, Trisha, this is what you're going to do. 
what happened was she said, you know, I really enjoy like reading and writing and I don't know how this will work. So we started scoping the terrain by going social media and connecting with people that enjoyed reading and writing. Mm -hmm. And so there was a specific strategy. Then she connected, created her own group that grew to several hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. Now, then by connecting with these people, she realized that they're already reading and they love reading, but they want more help with writing and on Mm -hmm. and on and on it goes. So after two years of working, she started out with one thing and then it just kind of fine-tuned so that's mm-hmm. an example of a niche. You know, mm-hmm. Cara from leolistening.com, Cara Leopold, she tr- teaches people, trains people how to listen and understand authentic speech through yeah. movies, by yeah. watching movies. So that's, and that's, again, that's one of those things where she learned it from the clients. You, you don't mm-hmm. just sit there and it's like, hmm, which niche I would like to pick? There are two things here. Is one, you go back to your clients, see what their frustrations are. And secondly, what are your skills that really match those frustrations and how people out with that? Yeah. So Langpreneur, if you are a language teacher, Elena, step number one here is really to choose a niche. Be specific, choose a niche for something that you're passionate about. Um, and you can be passionate about in the long term, but also be clear about your messaging. Because, of course, you can say that you teach business English, but everyone is teaching business English. Be more specific and um, also talk about the result that you are giving. So I help people to develop their communication skills. Sometimes it's also about the wording, right? Um, Okay, so you've chosen a niche. Now you still need to get the traffic, right? You need need other students to to see you. Um, Now, of course, you can do that on a platform like italki or verbling, like you mentioned, but then people are going to compare your rates to... You know, other uh, the other the the rates that the other tutors are offering, which are usually very low. Um, what would you recommend people to do here? Start building their own following, or I don't know, paid ads. Go to those platforms. Uh, can you give us a few tips on? Um, well, there's always at this point um, a kind of a struggle, and because on the one hand you need cash, and it will happen for maybe a couple of years until you get your business on the footing where you can just completely let go of the, the hustle part and yeah. focus on your business. So there's yeah. always this cash component, like I need cash and people forget that and they get all engrossed in social media and start building their following, which is great. But what happens is you expect that this following will start buying from you, you know, the next month or the next even six months but it doesn't always happen and definitely not on the scale that you can just now retire and collect your passive income um so um you do need some sort of whether it's a side job or something to take care of your sanity to take care of your um general well-being you know your family but in the meantime what you can do is take go on social media and explore the social media the platform that you think will work well for you and where your ideal client is so let's say if you are another thing also is to be familiar with a platform or to be at least willing to try and use it Mm -hmm. so you know if it's facebook then you you need to know that when you go on Facebook, your main traffic or your your main 
community building does not happen on when you create your page. Mm -hmm. uh, your community building happens when you join groups and then you create your own group because that's how that's how it evolves. And also, not every group is the group for you. Usually, teachers will go on, let's say it's uh, an Italian teacher and they create a group and they say, oh, I'm just going to group for Italian learners. But this is not a specific enough group. Mm -hmm. And that's when it goes back to niching. So mm -hmm. if your niche, quote unquote, is or your direction is writing, you want to go in that direction, then you don't need uh, to join groups. Actually, you should not join groups of generic, uh, say, Italian learners, but you need to join groups of Italian writers mm -hmm. uh, or people that want to write in Italian or people that read in Italian and see how you can engage there because there's always questions and you can be, by being active, people remember you and then you can invite them into your own group that you create. That's Facebook. That's the way mm -hmm. it works. Yeah. So a lot of times people are like, oh, I've got this page and I post on it three times a week, which posting is completely irrelevant at this point. It's all about connection. Posting mm -hmm. was kind of relevant two or three years ago, mm -hmm. but um, today it's about connection. So if you don't have this connection in a group, then you don't build your community. Um, Again, here, the tip is focusing on one social media. That's another thing. People just go and immediately run to every social media and they say, oh, well, but what if I lose people? Well, if you lose some people, but what if you gain and how many people you gain? So you go on Instagram, for example, if you are interested in visual storytelling and how it works and how it impacts people. Uh, Instagram is an incredible platform I've been using for the past year. And I actually used it as an accent trainer several years ago before I closed my accent training business, which is a part of sort of weeding out and getting into the niche that I really wanted to grow, which was teacher training. Mm -hmm. And um, so... Uh, Instagram has changed even since the time that I was an accent trainer. Then I became, you know, a, a coach and opened my account, business account as a coach on Instagram. Uh, but that has a, a bit of a different dynamic. And I am attracted, for example, to visual storytelling and using visuals is really powerful. But also you build connections by going to other people's account, answering questions, commenting and connecting with people, you know, connecting with people through their stories. That's that. Then there's LinkedIn. And if you are into sort of business English, I know this is really wide, but whatever you choose in that area, you have to go there and you have to become an influencer. And, and LinkedIn, uh, linked, uh, LinkedIn um, used to work uh, differently even years ago. So if you are really focusing on a platform you need to go and learn it and how it works right now um, and you learn it by observing following people that um, are maybe in your niche or people that are not in your niche but they're doing really well they're, they're influencers and seeing how they're doing LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn is an incredible platform because you can um, use both content marketing posting your posts and writing about certain things and and then uh, creating like a micro blog you know so yeah. within linkedin and also i don't know some groups are still existing and you can connect and reach out to people so that's more professional and and you can build your own 
you know, clientele there. So you need to choose which platform you want to, and you need to be really clear, which again, clarity is not something that comes overnight, um, about the change you seek to make. This is really what marketing is about. Marketing is not about how many products I can put in front of the people. Marketing is about what change do I seek to make? What is this one thing that I want to accomplish with my brand? So if it's accent training for, for people that are really struggling to like put words together, then you are really passionate about how you teach it, how you do it, how you help people sound more authentic, not mm -hmm. by focusing on uh, polishing their individual sounds, but by helping them connecting the words, let's say, if we're talking in English. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's, uh, you know, journaling and you want to do journaling for mental health and or language learning for mental health, and that is a part of it, then then you are really, you want to change the little part of your world and the people that come to you, you want to help them change that by, by beginning to journal, by being aware of how you do that and you are helping them through the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so would you say, so the first challenge that you have as a teacher is that you, well, you want to have students, therefore it's important to choose a niche because you need to know what your niche is before you go out there on social media looking for where your potential students are, right? And then would you say that it's important to first interact and engage in existing groups before starting your own platform? Is that what, what you're Absolutely, saying? Absolutely, yes. And uh, in fact, um, whenever I'm on Instagram, for instance, but before that I was on Facebook for several years and I had a thriving gr group on Facebook of teachers that now, you know, came, a lot of them came through this, this group and purchased programs and products for me. Um, but the idea is, is always you start out by talking to people outside of your group. You need to mm -hmm. get to know these people. You need to yeah. get to know what they're after. And you also have to be prepared to give way more, way, 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 way more. And that's another fear that teachers have. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to give away so much stuff for free. Who is going to buy from me? Um, but that's another mindset shift because mm -hmm. when you switch from teaching in this walled environment of a classroom and you're going online where there are no walls, teachers tend to set up walls um, for themselves. And one of yeah. those would be, oh, there's only that much free stuff that I can give. Yeah. Um, but you also have to be strategic with the free stuff that you give because oh, sometimes people give away too much and they really do, but it's... Um, has nothing to do with changing people's minds. It's like, oh, you want this worksheet? Let me, you know, move mm -hmm. it up for you. So, um, yes, uh, you really want to engage. Uh, now that I am, for example, on Instagram, half of the time that I am on Instagram, I actually spend engaging with others. And yeah. only half of the time it's on my account. In fact, yeah. I think the more successful I am, outside of my account, the more successful I am on my account. Yeah. So can you maybe give a few examples again mm -hmm. here on how that works exactly? Let's say I'm an English teacher and I help Dutch accountants mm -hmm. with, with their English. Mm -hmm. um, go, do I go to 
well, maybe Facebook, for example, look for Facebook groups for mm. accountants and then start interacting there, ask people what they are having problems with and then offer to help them for free, maybe send them some free materials. Could that be a strategy? Um, it could be like very basic, um, but also like why would you want to help um, Dutch accountants? So there's always like, okay, so why Dutch accountants? For one thing, we want to drop the Dutch um, unless you really want to just yeah. work with the Dutch yeah. environment. But let's say you just want to help accountants. Why is it? Uh, well, one of the reasons may be because, again, we're going back to the pain and we're going back to that. Uh, main frustration that people have and you have to unearth it at least on some level um, so maybe their main frustration right now that you worked with some of the accountants is that they can talk about numbers but when they get outside of the numbers and they want to talk about uh, what they ate for dinner they don't have any words to talk yeah. about that so so that's one thing but it can be also that it's accountants who want to interview for a job, mm -hmm. right? But they don't know how to talk about their expertise. So if you give them a spreadsheet, they can be excellent with it. But when they are, so they don't have the soft skills that they need to talk to people in the interview. So these are different niches, by the way. So you can't mm -hmm. like say, oh, you know, for accountants. But what is the problem that people are struggling with? Um, and you have to decide. So depending on that, depending on that, um, let's say I, would, I wouldn't necessarily think that accountants would be on Facebook. That's just my yeah, uh, hunch. So I'll probably go to LinkedIn and look yeah. for companies that um, employ accountants and see what is going on there, you know, how, what kind of activity there is, you know, looking at the people, you know, that, that, are in accounting world maybe there are some people that are in accounting that want to get out of accounting you know so that's another niche um, because they don't want to be tied in, or they want to you know, create a course and help others maybe that's what they want but they need english to do that uh, to be able to sell their expertise and not have to work during tax seasons without sleeping um, so all these different scenarios so you need to connect uh, with different people and see where they where they are um, mm. one thing that helps for instance if they're on LinkedIn is looking and seeing what they read you know mm. what they consume the information maybe you know it shows like what they liked what they shared some people that are really um, maybe active on social media also it helps to go and if you have like real life accountants that you've helped go ask them like what social media are you using where are you on what do you like doing outside of your where where do you hang out and yeah. that's where you need to go because maybe yeah. your accountants are you know in the bar down the street <laughs> you know yeah. you don't know yeah. um like for instance uh with trisha vagabondenglish.com um she she spends most of her time on medium because most of her uh, clientele are writers and readers and they, they don't spend as much time on Facebook although you know she started out with a group and the group is still developing but she's getting some clients now from Medium because she goes she knows that her people are readers and her people are writers mm. she goes and engages with their writing she gets a lot of actually excitement by 
reading and and supporting their work and then of course that's how she gets noticed is because she's commenting and she's there and she knows yeah. what they're doing so you you really have to know what people are doing where they are and once you know that once you have one or two people that you mm-hmm. know okay this is what they do they're a medium maybe it's time that you go and and check it out and see what these people are doing what they're about you know respond to their comments and and engage with them yeah and then how do you make that transition from being the friendly right uh the friendly friend or the helpful person online to Mm. uh to offering your teaching services do you first get something away for free or can you tell us a little bit about right right definitely uh not just something you you give everything so a lot of people once you are clear on your niche that is so there are different ways to go about giving so-called freebies. Sometimes mm-hmm. you feel like you're, you're giving a freebie is like giving crumbs to the dog. Now that's mm-hmm. a different kind of thing and we don't want that. But then there is other thing when you're giving free and it's a gift that people will appreciate and they will want to reciprocate because that's kind of what a gift does to you unless you're giving away crumbs to the dogs. And there is a difference between that. And the difference behind that is strategy, knowing what you're giving away and why you're giving this away. So definitely bringing these people in and talking and having um, free chats with them and uh, asking them what their, their issues are and how you can help them and all that. And for instance, there's somebody I, like somebody that I know that is helping people integrate into speaking of Dutch into Holland and um, Charlotte from Soulful Dutch. And uh, she connects with people and she helps them integrate into Holland because she knows that everybody in Holland speaks English and people can live their entire lives, not ever having to learn Dutch. And, and she feels that that, prevents them from connecting with people yeah, they feel like they're standoffish etc etc et yeah. so she takes and breaks that stereotype down and that's really quite specific yeah. so she connects with people in the group she does like lives or she does little um, sessions with people maybe she she does group sessions if you are um, if you don't have that much time, you can do a group session where you can, you know, tell people, give them some tips on how to build relationships in her case with the Dutch people, etc. So you do that. And after that, it's really, it's really like, this is where you learn actually sales <laughs> is where you see the person, you're in front of the person, you, you understand what their needs are. And sometimes you feel like, you won't be able to help them. But other times you feel like, you know, here's something that I can offer to you. And then you follow it up. Um, And, you know, it can be one-to-one lessons. It can be one-to-one coaching, uh, but it doesn't have to be. And that's why I'm talking about smarter ways of teaching language, because with uh, the teachers I worked with, um, I generally encourage them to sell their expertise and say, you know, unless your client is personally invested and uh, spends a certain amount of time working on their own, you can't really make that lasting change. And yet language teaching has turned into this like 
crutch system where the teacher is pretty much the babysitter. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting, as long as I'm teaching you, you're learning. And then our lesson is over and then you're not learning anything. Yeah. So um, what I uh, work with teachers with is changing that stereotype and helping them change that in themselves and the, their clients and uh, encouraging them to take more responsibility for it and maybe even not have Skype lessons mm. and offer a package with just one Skype lesson, which yeah. we call a consultation, but create a program for them where you guide them how yeah. to work on a specific thing that they are working on. It may or may not work for beginners, um, but even, um, even with beginners, you can go up until a certain point and then you can help them maintain their level by giving them guidance more so sitting than yeah. sitting with them and talking to them. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to create a successful teaching business, of course you can just go to the existing platforms, Verbling or maybe italki and, you know, just create a profile and the students will come, but this way you'll never be able to charge much more than all the other people on that platform. So what Elena is suggesting here is actually to do sales more the old fashioned way, just mm -hmm. go out there. Uh, well, in this case, we're talking about social media, of course, but, well, or maybe the bar mm -hmm. downstairs, mm -hmm. any place where your potential students might go out and really, um, well, I'm saying here selling the old way because it's really about interacting with your students here, right? Really get an understanding of what the frustrations are and what is exactly what they are looking for, what are the pain points, and then develop that relationship, offer lots of value, and then only in the end um, you, can, you can make an offer and, and, and pitch what you're selling. And some students will say, no, they might not be interested, but that's mm. completely fine. So the sales process is a little bit more intensive, but that's mm. eventually well, how you eventually in, in the beginning, that's how it will feel. It will feel like, oh, there's too many things. And um, the, the clearer you are on what you want to do and the change you seek to make, the sooner you will start making that change. Mm -hmm. um, but usually people don't feel that clarity is something that they need in their business or they feel like, well, as long as I have my diploma from whatever university I have, or mm -hmm. as long as I have these courses that I've uh, graduated from or whatever other certificates I can, I can teach. But, but that doesn't mean that you can sell because yeah. sales uh, is completely different. And when you do this process uh, and it sounds like this, that with every single client, it will take me this long amount of time but what happens is it compounds so once you do it one yeah. or two times or three times and you start getting clients then people see and then you get reviews um, and you get you get more savvy in understanding your audience which means your content is uh, way more precise and you are able to reach people with your message of change much faster because you don't like uh, walk around the bush thinking what is it that is going to sell you're just very specific and you are very clear and you give people the freedom to choose then uh, you will see that um, this process of sort of converting if you want to use marketing language a person from um, a, um, a reader a passive reader a passive follower into your loyal uh, loyal client is way faster so mm -hmm. what took me maybe you know months and months and maybe years yeah. Your now is taking me way faster because yeah. I'm that much clearer on the change I seek to make. And, yeah. and now if I want to sell something, I have a great number of 
um, clients I had in the past and current clients that I can write and say, hey, would you like to do another session and follow up? And so I don't have to like go to the bars anymore, so to speak. But in the beginning, it does take that much legwork. And I don't think people realize that this is the price they pay for the business that they want to call their own, the business that eventually will give them freedom. Um, And I don't know why we have this idea where I just, I don't do any work and then all of a sudden money magically appears there, which is not the case with any kind of job and definitely not with entrepreneurship. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about scaling a business. So let's say you have a few students, um, you know, you're charging, you're charging good money, but you're working 40 hours per week and you cannot really, mm. you cannot really work more. I mean, you're already charging a lot. What are some of the other things that teachers can do in order to scale? Or maybe we should start with the question, what is scaling exactly? Yes, yes. Because- yes, so scaling is completely different from growing a business. So growing a business, in our minds, at least as teachers, means more clients, more teachers, more, you know, Growing means a more complex structure, more people, more work. That's what growing is kind of like all of a sudden, you know, you just have this bigger and bigger construction that you're building. And then you you have to hire a team to, to make sure that the construction stays. And then you have like all these different branches. Um, But scaling is what really, um, it was, it's completely different. It's a faster, uh, more exponential growth with the lean budget and the, the lean number of people, uh, the, the small number of people that are working, which is maybe you and somebody else that, you know, maybe a couple of contractors that are um, doing some work for you. Or if you have a team, it's, it's very lean. It's like no more than two people. But this is scaling does not require more people and more of everything. Scaling is the issue of design is better and high results with the same or less effort with growth. It's more results with more effort with scaling. It's less effort and same or even greater results. Mm -hmm. And in order to get to scaling, obviously we all want to do that. And that's what, I, on my website, I call it working smarter, not harder. And that essentially means you need to redesign the way you teach and you work. And if you have done any one-to-one teaching, and that's where I was in 2014, I realized, like, I can't be doing this forever. I can't be doing five lessons a day. Um, And so the initial thing is, well, maybe I should create a course, which that's a different story because you can't create a course without, you know, a community of people, without niching, without knowing the pain, et cetera, what we've just talked about. But um, so the the challenge um, really is redesigning the business as you know it. Um, So if your clients used to do, you know, five, lessons with you a month now maybe they just need one Mm -hmm. so if they do need one then how do they get the same results or better results without sessions with you and that's the question that you have to answer using your expertise that's where you need Mm -hmm. to draw from 
and go back to the times when you were learning a language, let's say, and how or whatever skill that you are teaching and how, how did you learn that? Or how going back to the clients that you worked successfully with, what worked? And when I came to this realization that the only thing worked is really when my clients worked. <laughs> and that was a sobering realization because I thought that the results of my clients depended on how um, good I am as a teacher, how experienced I am, how much um, uh, great materials I can create in PowerPoints and bells and whistles. But really, the results uh, of the clients um, you know, 90% of those results was their work. Mm -hmm. And 10% was me strategizing that work. So yeah. they don't run around Google, you know, for hours searching for materials or how do I learn to do this? No, you make this path straight by telling them, okay, you don't need this. You don't need this. You don't need this. This is what you need to focus on right now. And you need to work on this and giving them, manageable and small assignments to where they can work on their own and trying to keep them motivated. Now, this is not easy, but who said it? scaling is easy, but it's a matter of design. Yeah. A lot of times teachers struggle then as well, but how do I sell something that's not Skype lessons? Well, that's the change that you seek to make. It's one of the changes that you have to impart on the clients you work with, that they need to understand that they only get best results when they work on their own, not when you are like creating these magnificent textbooks for them that are 300 pages that people cannot work through. It's small, manageable. So in order for you to scale, you need to, A, um, other than what we've talked about, the niching, because that's really important. When we come to the house is have to realize like how are you going to get your client from point a to point b yeah. how are you going to help them we have this cliche in the language industry is uh, taking somebody to the next level which is completely meaningless because where is the next level and what is the next level but that's copywriting issue and we're not talking about that but really helping a person to go from point a to point b we need to know what it is where they are how do they get from being uh, feeling, you know, lack of confidence to being confident. How do you break down this process? And this is not your student's responsibility. It's not your student's work. This is your work. But once you have broken down the process, you can sell it to your clients and say, you know, in one month, you will be able to feel more you know, confident, speak more confidently on these topics, for example, because you will have manageable, small assignments every day, and then you will send them to me in a recording if the person is uh, working on their speaking skills. Or we can work together on writing, and then you really don't, if you're helping a person to write better, whether it's for the test or uh, to enter university or creative writing, you really don't even need to meet with someone one-to-one, -one, really. Mm -hmm. And that creates a lot of flexibility for the teacher because if you know the process, if you help someone to, to engage on and involve and roll on this journey and do the little tasks every day, 
then you will see the difference um, and they will see the difference themselves and you will be able to see it as well. So def definitely redesigning that. And then when you redesign, you create this time for yourself. Then you can create something that is more self-paced as in courses. So courses is not something that you create when you are tired and exhausted from one-to-one. -one. Courses is something you create when you have worked with the clients, your dream clients, you have seen their struggles, and then you create something small and manageable for them. A small course, by the way, not the one that will take you uh, five years to complete, but really small one, and helping and trying to sell that as an option to your like more VIP training. Yeah. And um, then you can also create like smaller, even smaller types like workbooks and books mm -hmm. that can go with it. But the most important thing is kind of like the nesting dolls, you know, Russian nesting dolls. They all look the same, but one is really big with more detail. And then there's smaller and smaller and smaller matryoshka dolls. Yeah. Um, so this is how your packaging also works. When you're niched, the big one is the VIP but people can't afford it, that they can take smaller and smaller and smaller, but they all sort of look the same. They still have sort of the same pattern, but of course it's a different degree of engagement from the client and uh, less investment. Yeah, so the key here for language teachers who want to scale their business is really thinking about what is the result that I'm actually selling. Because you're not eventually you're not selling your time. Well, if you do it, and I mean, if you do it correctly, you're selling results, right? And do people really need your time? Do they really need those one-on-one -on -one lessons, or do they actually make the the most progress when they're studying on their own, or when they're I don't know, practicing with real people um, in in the place where they live? So think about that. Um, so really packaging is the key here. Instead of selling one-on-one -on -one lessons, it's about creating a package that works for you students, which could maybe only involve one hour of your time per week instead of five hours, but then additionally offer, I don't know, accountability, a community, uh, courses, uh, those kind of things. Right. Yes. Um, so when I, when I look back, for example, and I looked back at my last year and the number of like hours that I taught, I no longer teach, I actually coach, but the number of hours I coached was um, in a year, it was um, a little over 120, I think it was like 120, between 120 and 130, that's in a year, that's what I used to actually teach in a month when I was teaching, you know, um, because you can easily do that. Um, a lot of times when you teach five and six hours a day and you teach five days a week at least, then you can easily teach, you know, 100 hours uh, a month. Yeah. And so for me to go from that to where I am right now took a lot of mindset changes um, that we've talked about today. It took a lot of redesign and it's still taking a lot of redesign, restructure of how do I want to feel when I have a business? Because really, teaching one-to-one -one is a little different than actually running a business. And uh, in order, or thinking like a business owner, and in order to think like a business owner, you have to like 
change your mindset a little bit and redesign what you sell and why you sell what you sell. Yeah. So yeah, those are important steps for language teachers. So if you are a language teacher and you want to work a lesson at the same time, make more money, then I hope that you have really enjoyed this interview here because it's all about redesigning your packages, redesigning what you are selling. Um, because yeah, as you know, selling selling time is not really a solution to creating an online freedom business. Elena, do you have any more tips that you want to share with teachers listening to this episode? Yeah, so um, I really would like to, uh, teachers, I would probably share my vision of, you know, what the change you seek to make. So one of my biggest passions is to help language teachers when they move on, online language teachers, I should say, those that have been teaching online to really experience freedom, to understand, to be more connected with themselves, to work smarter, um, to know where their values are, and to really practice creativity because this is where most of their wonderful ideas come from. They don't come from listening to webinars. They come from the time that we have in between projects to let those ideas percolate. And when teachers really connect with their creativity, when they have that space in their lives, when they understand what they're doing and they know that they're not just selling their lessons um, but they're making tiny changes in the world. Um, I think they're happier people and they feel more fulfilled and they feel like what they do really matters. And that's what, for instance, you know, I didn't have while I was hustling hours and definitely not to the extent I didn't have it when I was like busy teaching in the classroom. And that's why this is the change that I want to see happen and I and I have seen it happen in the past uh, for uh, for actually six years that I've been on this path and um, and I want to see more of that and I know that once a person redesigns the way they work language teachers and they they sell not just hours but they understand their value and they talk about results um, they feel they feel completely different. And I want to wish that to, to everyone, to explore that. And uh, it's definitely not an easy path, but it's not something that is completely impossible for teachers, which is what we sometimes feel like, well, I'm a teacher, I can't, I can't be paid this much, or I can't do this much. And, um, but you can, and, and you should, because you're, you're creative and you have so much in you that sometimes gets really dead really when you are um when you're selling hours and you don't have that space so yeah that's what i want for people to do is to work smarter be more creative and to change their little corners of the world great where should people go if they want to connect with you uh, my website is elenamotonono.com and um there is a blog there and there's I also have my Instagram account which is Elena Motonono um, they can sign up to receive uh, my newsletter and I've got a special smart kit which is which I send for free to everyone who wants to start on this journey of working smarter and again you can learn more about that when you go on my website elenamotonono.com 
Elena, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you, Jan. This was wonderful. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.